idolatry, swearing, and now tonight we're looking at the Sabbath. And so the Ten Commandments and today continues with week four this evening. And I am so excited because I, I didn't write the Ten Commandments. Shocking. I know you might not have known that. Um, God wrote them, but we just were going through the series, and I just think it's neat. Next week on Family Wednesday, anybody know what the fifth commandment is? Honor your father and mother. It's a great, great time. So if you all want, you can pay me a little extra, and I'll hit that hard to your kids, okay? <laughs> just kidding. So tonight, though, we're going to look at the Sabbath. Anyone here ever been stressed out? Raise your hand if you have ever, if you're watching online, you've been stressed out, tell us. Okay, look around, all right? Raise your hand if you've been stressed out, all right? Everybody look around. Is there a hand not raised? Because I want that person to come finish this message, all right? Jacob, Jacob, and okay. Jacob, come on up here. Finish this off for tonight, all right? Uh, because most of humanity, you're stressed out about something, okay? Some of us, we just look for something to stress about, you know? And so... Anybody here, okay, if you're not stressed out, you ever been really busy? Okay. Has anyone ever said this to you? You just need to, re- you need to slow down. Anyone ever said that to you? <laughs> All right. Well, good, this message might be for you. Hallelujah. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. All right? So we know we are created in the image of God. All right? Now, the narration continues in the very next chapter where the Bible tells us exactly what God did next. And that is Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It says, On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Remember that word. Because, by the way, we're a sanctified holy people too. So he sanctified it. Remember that. Because that in it, he had rested from all his work which God created and made. God, let me just tell you, I know you probably know this, but God did not need to rest. I worked out this morning in between intervals. I needed to rest. Like I was, I'm not sure if I can finish this workout. I need to rest. Okay. God never goes to CrossFit and gets tired where he needs to rest. All right. I don't even know if he would go to CrossFit, but he, he, he does not, he did not go, man, I got three days done. We need to take a breather here because I am wore out. God does not do that. But Jewish people understood this as an example to them. Rest isn't always just sleeping or being a bum. Sometimes people think that like, well, if I rest, I don't, I don't be lazy. And so, but it's, it's just laying aside the burdens and the things that take a toll on your mind because it's not always just physical. How many of you have ever, you can relate to that. You're like, I ain't done nothing physical in a minute, but my brain, like I feel just wore out at times if you have a ton of meetings or a ton of proposals or a ton of papers do. It gets to the point where you're just like, I just feel wore out. And so the Sabbath is about mind, body, and the whole person. And so in these passages woven into the fabric of creation was the institution of this principle called rest that would be carried all throughout 
the rest of the passages of Scripture. And so a principle, I believe, was stamped into the very DNA of our bodies and, and our souls. I don't know if you're like me. Maybe I shouldn't be this transparent, but I, it's who I am. I don't know if you're like me, but you see yourself respond differently to people, your kids, your spouse, traffic, when you are utterly exhausted, when you haven't had a day off in a long time, when you've been working 14-hour days, like you notice, anybody else can, is this like this in your life where you notice, man, I'm a different person when if I start to get a little short, my wife will remind me, what's the last time you took a day off? And so uh, she's so kind to me and reminds me of that. And so she's a blessing, yes. And so as human beings who were created in the image of God, our God who took the seventh day off, we have to recognize that we would need to do that same thing likewise. Now, does it have to be the seventh day? No, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and cover that in a second. But yes, I would say even us macho men that like, I don't need no day off, I'm a hard worker. Well, I want you to know, I'll tell my wife here, you know, tomorrow is my day off. So, so if you need anything, typically I'll take Thursdays off and I try to take that 24-hour period. So if you text me, I, I will almost always get back to you within a couple hours. On Thursday, you might not get a text back until Friday morning. And if you call me, you, I'm going to show you. Here we go. I actually wasn't playing. Here, we'll just, we'll just show you. This is awkward, but check this out. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to record this. What's tomorrow's date? 24th? All right, check it out. Should I do it in the microphone? Will that sound weird on a... Do it in the microphone? All right. Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Gary Dornbach. Today is Thursday, May... It's not May. What is it? March. It's March. It's March. See? I don't always get it on the first take. All right, here we go. Ready? Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Gary Dornbach. Today is... Third time's a charm. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Gary Darnbach, and today is Thursday, March 24th, and it's my day off to be with my family. So if you could, just leave me a message right here, and I will get back to you first thing tomorrow morning. Thank you, and God bless you. Should we make sure it sounds all right? Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Gary Darnbach, and today is Thursday, March 24th, and it's my day off to be with my family. So if you could, just leave me a message right here, and I will get back to you first thing tomorrow morning. Thank you, and God bless. But we're going with that, because the Lord knows I might be here all night otherwise. All right, so that's now my voicemail. Um, I will still talk to you for the rest of tonight, but tomorrow is a different story. Now, if somebody leaves me a voicemail, I will check it, because if somebody says I was in a serious car accident, I, my, I, my wife, my family understands I'm going to, I'm going to, to be with you and handle that. Um, but if somebody's like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about the paint colors in the church foyer, I'm going to be like, we'll talk about this later. Okay. Kind of like sometimes somebody's like, I need to talk to you right now. This doesn't happen here, but I hear stories from, from pastors. I need to see you tonight at my house. My marriage is falling apart, and you have to come. And so sometimes pastors are like, oh, my Lord, I got to get over there. Their marriage is falling apart. But I'm kind of under the impression of like, okay, your marriage did not start falling apart in the last four hours. Okay? So if you've made it this long... Let's just wait till tomorrow morning. We'll go ahead and talk through things, and I'll be with you as long as you need me to do. But it didn't fall apart in the last two hours, and we ain't going to fix it in this next two hours. So let's just, we'll just cover it together tomorrow. 
And so hopefully you're all right with that. If not, pray for me. I'll pray for you, and hopefully we'll get, get on the same page. But before some of you can just tune me out and go, well, you're a pastor. You only work Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. I mean, before you can say something like that, I work a couple other days than that. But you can't just say, well, I'd love to, but I can't. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out in anything, you know, like if you talk about diet, exercise, working hard, going to school, like, oh, I'd love to, but I can't. Well, if we want something bad enough, we just, we figure out a way to get the things we want, okay? So um, I want you to really listen to some of the scriptures that we're going to look at here tonight. Let's face it, resting is something that our culture is just absolutely horrific at. Like, we are terrible at resting. Like, we pride ourselves as Americans, like, we work hard, we roll up our sleeves, we're the entrepreneurs that changed America, like, videos are made of people, you know? And we're like, that's us. But, and I will say, I need this message as much as anybody. My wife will probably send me the link to my own message at some point in the next couple of weeks. But our daily lives are too infiltrated by noise and stuff for us to even contemplate rest, let alone actually make time to do it. Now, if you're waiting, like, well, I'm going to wait till I slow down and I get a day and then I'll rest that day. Like, it's never coming. If you have children, it's, 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 I seen a meme where a mom was on the phone and she was cooking dinner like this. And she said, hey, Debbie, can I call you back in 20 years? Like, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's it, you know. But a Sabbath day of rest is a day we lay aside the normal things of life. And we make time to allow ourselves to rejuvenate and gain strength to carry out all of our responsibilities for the next week. I'll never forget. We still lived in the parsonage. And I had so much I had to get done. And I told my wife, I can't take a day off. I got to get this done. And I went into the office. And I was trying to get some things done. And, like, my brain, I couldn't even focus. Like, I couldn't. I don't even know if you remember this. But, like, I couldn't even focus. And I went home and I was like, I got to take the next 24 hours off. And I did that. And I ended up going in the next day and got way more accomplished in like four hours that I would have done working 14 that day before. Because our brain, I actually read something somewhere that you actually only have about four great hours of work every single day. Because that is where like you are focused, your brain, and then so <laughs> your job's paying you for eight and you only give them a good four. So, <laughs> so you're getting a good deal, I guess. But uh, the concept of Sabbath, you know, I can't, we can't minister well to anybody. Like, you can only give out so much, and then you're giving from an empty vessel instead of, and it's a depleted vessel instead of a vessel. So, so if you're going to give, if you're going to serve in nursery and children's ministry, student ministry, praise team, pulpit ministry, whatever it is, that there has to be intake, there has to be inflow for there to be outflow. And so... You can't just give, 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 and keep giving because eventually you burn out and you start ministering from your own virtue instead of the Lord's virtue. And so a Sabbath day, it is a day of rest. It does not matter what specific day it is. And some people think that, but we're going to look at this. And I think I'm going to make it really clear through Scripture here tonight. But it's, it's just a day that we would say, I'm setting aside the things I have, the responsibilities, to an extent. I know you can't just say, kids, go to your rooms. Today's my Sabbath day. You know, <laughs> if you figured out how to do that, let me know. But the concept of Sabbath is derived from the Hebrew word meaning cease or desist. Now, 
The Sabbath was a day from Friday evening at sundown until Saturday evening at sundown when all ordinary work stopped. The Sabbath day, as stated in the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament, was part of the law that pointed to Christ as our ultimate rest. Okay? And I cannot say this any clearer than what I'm about to say. The Sabbath day, as it is described in the Old Testament law, was abolished at the cross. So like if you're like, I have to do Saturday, I cannot do it, I have to sundown to sunset, I, st- I have to do this. That's not the case, okay? As a matter of fact, most people today that say, I actually have Google, we, we, we pay for Google AdWords and we pay for advertising through them. And it's interesting, I get search reports. <laughs> Do you know somebody a couple weeks ago searched for an atheist church near them? <laughs> hey, I didn't do the search. I'm just telling you. Um, and so one of the other searches was sab- churches that keep the Sabbath near me. Okay? So people will look for that. That's important to some people. And what they're looking for is that their understanding of like, hey, Old Testament, Saturday, maybe Saturday service or, or this 24-hour period where nobody does anything. And, and I, we actually had somebody who came here that said, I, I keep the Sabbath. She said, I'm leaving because you don't keep the Sabbath. And I was like, well, okay, I'm sorry. We will miss you. And we, I taught her, taught, talked to her about this, um, showed her scriptures on this. Um, but most people that say that I keep the Sabbath, they don't really have a clue what they're, what they're even saying. Because, like, you can't, you can't boil an egg on the Sabbath. You can't push an elevator button on the Sabbath. And so one of the people that, like I said, came here, she, she worked on Saturday, and she said, I want a church that follows the Sabbath, but, like, that was her Sabbath she was working. I was like, okay, well, that's not, it's not even, now, if you cling to that conviction, that's fine, but it's not something we still have to do today. And so, you're not, you can't even drive a car. Like, if you're truly following the Old Testament Sabbath, like, you are in your house doing nothing. And I know some of us are getting ready to try to find one of those churches now. <laughs> but Colossians, Paul writes to the church in, in Colossians, the Colossian church, he, in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says in the New Testament, he canceled the record of charges against us, took it away, nailing it to the cross. He's talking about the cross. Thank God for this. We love this, this passage. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and, and authorities. He shamed them publicly. This is the victory of the cross. We're talking about the cross. I love this. And then in verse 16, he says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. He says, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. So don't let anybody condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of... Now, I, I, I like that. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self Denial. Now, am I going to sit up? I, you know, I know Joel Osteen is pretty 
pretty famous for this, you know, that prosperity doctrine. I'm not going to sit here and go, yes, if you just give today, you will be rich and you will have everything you want. That's not biblical. But neither is asceticism where you're supposed to be like John the Baptist and only eat locusts and honey and wear camels, goats hair and go live in caves in the middle of the wilderness, you know. I say this all the time. The book of Acts church, yes, they held all things common. They were very giving people. But where do you think they had, there was no building big enough. They met in homes. They had prayer meetings and services in homes. Thank God that someone had some money and had been successful enough to have a home that was large enough to house the New Testament church. And so... In Scripture, does God insist that we have to have pious self-denial? No, he does not. But he does insist things about the tithe, and he does insist things about being givers, and he does insist about being disciple-makers, absolutely. And so, all of that is, uh, you have to look at your heart, and I have to look at mine. Okay, so, but he says self-denial or the worship of angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. Okay, well, I think he kind of made that clear. But he goes on into the church in Galatia in chapter 4, verse 9. He says, so now that you know God, or, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you, perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in the freedom from these things. I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Paul specifically says he's become like the Gentiles, and the Gentiles did not follow Jewish law. And look what he says in Romans chapter 14, verse 5. It says, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day. While others think every day is alike. You should be, each be fully convinced that whatever day you choose is acceptable. So guess what? We can get together on Mondays, on Wednesdays, on Fridays, on Sundays, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And God is not like, well, you missed your window of opportunity that my, my holy day was yesterday. So I can't move. I can't perform a miracle today because you missed my holy day. This is not the God that we serve. And so he says, any day you choose to set aside is holy is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. There you go. If you're looking for scripture about pre-meal prayer, there it is. Pray before you eat. All right? And it says, and those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. So if you say, hey, I have a, I met somebody once that said, I have, I still hold the same Old Testament conviction. I don't eat shrimp. I don't eat the bottom feeders. I don't eat lobster. I don't eat that stuff. And I'll say, hey, if that is your conviction, then you should follow your conviction. Don't try to force that on someone else and preach that as New Testament necessity because it's not there. If you personally say, I don't feel right doing this, then you should follow that. 
And so, but notice, everything he's talking about is, is in the church. When you do this, when you gather together, it's, it's, it's a special time. That, that, it doesn't matter which day it is. But the key is, is that you are gathering together. Because that's kind of the unwritten, like, that's the assumption. When you gather together, that you should be gathering together. Matter of fact, Hebrews writer says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Paul writes several times, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Provoke one another to love and good works. Well, how do we do that if we're just sitting at home? That's tough. And so there should be corporate assembly. Being plugged into a church community is integral to your walk with God. When, where, and what day you do or don't meet is not the real issue. We're just called to be plugged in and not forsake the assembling of one another together. And so like that. We should follow Christ's example to take a weekly day of rest. But when and how you do it is not a sin anymore. Okay? As it would have been in the Old Testament law. I used to find myself marginalizing the Sabbath by thinking, you know, it's a day of spiritual rest. It's spiritual rest. But nothing's further from the truth. Do you know that one of the reasons God allowed Israel to be torn from their land and led into Babylonian captivity was their failure to honor the Sabbath by working the land during the seventh year? Sabbath keeping was one of the few distinctive marks that faithful Jews could still keep, even in a foreign land. So it assumed extra significance because that you know that's why we read men of God like Ezra or Nehemiah in the Old Testament they called Israel to to repentance because of their failure to keep the Sabbath so at first this seems harsh but when you thoroughly study this you begin to understand that there there was far deeper meaning to all of this because Old Testament it was setting up principles that the New Testament could build on meaning not we don't follow the Old Testament in any way anymore. No. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. We still don't kill. But when it comes to the Sabbath, the principle of rest is there. But Paul in the New Testament, many scriptures tell us that this points to Christ and that that itself, a literal Sabbath, is not something that we have to keep anymore. But the principle of rest is still there. Jesus got onto the Pharisees because they made Sabbath a day with a bunch of burdens and rules. I mean, remember they got on him. Your disciples were plucking corn and grain and they were doing this. And Jesus is like, hold it. Y'all got messed up somewhere. You think that man, the, man, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. And so he corrected them. And so the idea of God resting from his work is, is a startling one. You can't really almost wrap your brain around that he spoke the world into existence. Why does God need to rest? This, this seems crazy. But look what God tells Moses in the Old Testament. Exodus 31, 17. He says, it's a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. But on the seventh day, he stopped working And was refreshed. That's, that's, that's amazing that the God of heaven said, I'm going to take a day and stop working and be refreshed. No doubt it's presented in vividly human terms in Exodus to reinforce the fundamental Sabbath lesson that humankind must follow a pattern that was really set forth by our Creator. 
And so one day's rest in seven is built in. It's a creation necessity. It's for individuals, for families, for households, because I can say I'm Christ-like. I hope I am. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like my Savior. And the God of heaven said, here's what I'm doing. I don't need this, but I'm going to rest and refresh myself on this seventh day. So I look at that and go, man, if he needed it then I certainly need at least one day out of seven where I'm going to try to do the same. And don't go telling me the law, we don't need that, oh, we don't need that rest anymore, the laws in the Old Testament. The Sabbath setting in the biblical account of creation implies that this was a creation principle. This did not start with the law of Moses. God is saying when creation happened... There's cre- when I say creation principles, there's things God did at the beginning of creation that we can say, wow, that's the way. If he chose to make humanity and people in a garden setting, like this is what perfection looks like. And at that time, there was no sin. There was no uh, storms. It was the, a mist watered the earth. The, Adam and Eve walked around in this perfect environment. And yes, a creation principle is he made one man and one woman who were married creation principle. Today we're going against those creation principles. And so God instruction, God's instructions require men and women to observe a, a regular weekly break from work. Granted, you won't be killed now today for boiling an egg. You know, like my wife is not going to be like, I'm reporting you. You made eggs seven days this week which is crazy anyway. That would be really nuts if I even, I mean, I don't even cook half the time, but I think eggs. <laughs> That's the first time she's agreed with anything I said tonight. Oh, Lord. <laughs> to discover more about the way God marked out the Sabbath day at creation and how he intended man to observe it thereafter, one, one, we must first explore the meaning of the words bless and declare holy or set aside. In brief, bless is the language of giving. Declare holy is the language of claiming. Bless is the language of giving. Declare holy is the language of claiming. So when something is blessed by God, it becomes a vehicle of his generous giving and an expression of his warm concern. But when God declares something holy, he, de- he claims it for himself, taking it out of ordinary circulation, whether that is a place, a day, an animal, a sacrifice, or a holy people. Who says, you're my royal priesthood, you're chosen, you're my holy people, meaning I have set you aside for myself. And so, this provides a clue to God's intention in requiring humankind to observe the Sabbath. Freed from time-consuming, everyday work, we should accept this day as a blessing from the Creator, using it to recall all God's goodness and all that He's provided and blessed us with. When we, kind of like when He says, the tithe is holy. That's, that's not about this I'm setting aside. He calls us holy. That I'm setting aside. The Sabbath day is holy. There's certain things that he says, this is mine, and I, I'm setting this aside. Yeah. And if we want to continue to be blessed, 
then we don't try to take back what he has set aside for his own. And when we read all the detailed instructions about the Sabbath in the Bible, the details might seem trivial, but obedience to the Sabbath law was seen as as a huge test to the people of God. It was made quite clear that willful disobedience was a capital offense. Exodus 35, 2, it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on that day must be put to death. I want to be there when you go to your boss and they ask you to work seven days of overtime, and you bring in Exodus 35 to and be like, listen, I don't want to die. The fate, check out the fate of a man gathering wood in defiance of the Sabbath regulations. Showed that this was not an idle threat. Okay, check this out. Numbers 15, 32. One day, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Back then, they didn't just say, hey, man, you need to take a day, you need to take a day off. No. The people who found him doing this took him before Moses, Aaron, and the rest of the community. I mean, could you imagine, like, I don't take my day off tomorrow. And Sunday, my wife, like, pulls me up here and is like, guys, you heard him change his voicemail, and he worked on Thursday. They held him in custody because they did not know what to do with him. Then the Lord said to Moses, he's got to be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the whole community took the man outside the camp, stoned him to death, just as the Lord commanded Moses. We read that and we're like, that's crazy. Like, what? And certainly, according to today's standards, that that seems nuts. But observing the sabbatical year was obviously a great test. It's something that God, when he spoke something into existence, he does not demand that we understand it. He demands that we obey it. And so I might say, well, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, that's fine, but he still expects obedience to it. And so if he tells someone to build a 450-foot-long boat out of a gopher wood and put slime and pitch it within and without and put three stories and put a window up there, like, even if you're like, why? That makes no sense. Well, if you want to be saved, here's what I'm telling you to do. I just understand what's the big deal with water. You guys emphasize water and the washing away of sins and water baptism. I mean, that makes no sense to me. Well, that's fine. But Scripture says that it's part of God's plan for salvation. And Peter said, water doth, baptism doth also now save us. So it's a salvation issue. And so even if I say, well, it's kind of like I even referenced the tithe. My Lord, I work hard. I ain't giving you $10 on every hundred. Forget that noise. I don't understand that. Well, it's still, he says, that's holy unto me. I've set that aside. And so for me, I don't care. I could look back at my donation statement and say, man, I could have done a lot with that right there. But I'm not going to take what God deemed is holy and say, I want to try and further my own self. I'd rather have the 90% blessed by him. And so observing the sabbatical year, was, it, was, it was great importance. And so think about it. When they took a total day off each week to do nothing, they were missing out on planting or harvesting crops. They were 
missing out on preparing animals for sacrifice or sale. So that 24-hour period, how much were they missing out on getting work done? And that's where we struggle today because we say, I can't take a day off because if I do, here's what I'm missing out on. But for them, this was huge because what it insinuated, to take a weekly day off required something. It required complete and total confidence in God as their strength and their provider. So, God even went as far as to have Israel trust him with a Sabbath year. You think the day's hard? Think the day's hard. He would have him do a Sabbath year, not just one day a week. So check this out, Leviticus 25.1. While Moses was on, on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, he said, give the following instructions to the people of Israel when you have entered the land I'm giving you. The land itself must observe a Sabbath. Before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards, harvest your crops, but during, it's so interesting. Doesn't this sound familiar? You can eat of all the trees. Just that one tree there, don't eat of that tree. God always builds in. God never, the scripture says, God never tempts people to sin. But he builds in a choice in everything. Because without a choice, there is, there's no opportunity to sin. There, there is no free will. If there isn't a choice. And so God will always say, here is my clear command. But there's an opportunity for disobedience. If you do that, here's what happens. But if you follow this, read the Old Testament. How many times does he say, Israel, if you just do this, if you'll just follow this, just do what I said. Just This is what's going to happen. It will be well with you, long life, blah, blah, blah. It goes into all this stuff. If you don't. It's going to be, I mean, like, it is like a horror movie of lists. And they chose to disobey. And we're there today, too. God lays out a plan for our life, not only for salvation, but Christian living. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to lay it out. For six years, you can do all this stuff. During the seventh year, verse 4, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. Which that, just geographically that makes sense too, by the way. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, your hired workers, temporary residents who live with you. I like it. He's, he's always got a real clear plan. Your livestock and the wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. And guess what? Every 50th year, it was a year of Jubilee where they did the same. They were not to prune or reap, or, but whatever the, whatever the field of its own accord, they could, that could be eaten. But read on Leviticus 25.20. But you might ask, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to eat during the seventh year since we're not allowed to plant or harvest crops? The Lord knows us. He created us, remember, in his own image. He says, I'll just go ahead and deal with this before you even get to it because I know what you're about to say. 
Be assured, he says, I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year so the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. Notice he's saying, I'm asking for one. If you follow me, I'm not just going to get you through the year that I'm saying don't tend to it but I'm going to give you more than enough. That sounds familiar. We're hungry. Okay, bring me five loaves and two fish. I don't just give enough to feed the multitude on the mountainside. I'm going to give you so much that there's 12 baskets left over. When you will align your life with the principle, this is not prosperity doctrine. This is obedience. When you align your life with God's will, God's way, God's plan, you do not have to worry about tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. He says, I'm asking for one year and I'm going to give you enough for three years. So that's plenty. But what our head goes, that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. But then why do we pause and go, oh, but, but I'm just, oh, I'm not sure. He says, in fact, you'll still be eaten from that large crop when the new crop's harvested in the ninth year. There was and still is such blessing and provision when we obey the principles of God. Anyone who abided in this principle of rest would never go hungry. I'll say that again. Anyone who abided in the, in, in the commands of God would never go hungry. And I still believe that today. The principle behind the principle. Well, let's talk about the principle of Sabbath tonight. The principle behind the principle is trust. Trust. But isn't that the principle behind water baptism? Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost? Tithing? Serving? Sabbath? Isn't it kind of any part of Christian living? The key is walking with trust in God. The purpose of the Sabbath was to set the seventh day or year apart, make it holy. It was to recognize God you are the creator, and you are the owner of everything. And if you believed that back then or today, then honoring the Sabbath was no problem because you trusted that the owner of creation could handle things while you took your hands away from the plow. Because if God says, Take your hands off the plow. Yeah, but I'm busy. I'm working. I got, I got this whole field to work. I, I, I got to keep going. I can't stop. And he says, I'm telling you to take your hands off the plow because if you do, I will provide. That sounds so simple. But then why do we struggle so bad? have gotten used to being on the plow. Why do, oh, why do we struggle so bad? And I know for some, that's why I keep referencing tithing because it's not because the sh church is short on money and we're needing, needing funds. No, it's just the principles kind of, kind of align here. Because for some, they're going, I don't have, I'm not a farmer. I'm not plowing a field. The Sabbath doesn't even exist. This, 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 this makes no sense. Well, that's where I say, 
Sometimes our hand is on the plow and we're pushing and pushing and God says, if you just give me what I'm asking for, I promise you, I'm going to bless everything else. But we often have a very hard time opening our hand and releasing that to God. But he says, listen, because you trusted the owner of creation that he could handle the plow while you're gone, I'm going to bless you. Church, sometimes we try so hard to roll up our sleeves, keep plugging away, make things happen. You're saying, I got to make things happen. We got to make things happen. Newsflash, God calls, God calls us to be hard workers. He does. If we don't work, we don't eat. That's the scripture. When people, and when I first moved here, somebody would say, hey, I'm looking for money for this. Now, if they were not working anywhere, I would say, hey, yeah, man, come on over. I'll pay you cash to do some work at the church. And, and, and we'd have people do work. Because to me, I feel like that's a biblical principle, hard work. But we can't make anything happen. Our, our whole life, our whole existence is in the hands of God. But sometimes we try to make things happen so much that we end up putting more trust and confidence in our own limited power rather than taking things to and trusting the one with unlimited power. It's like somebody saying to me, hey, I got to stay home on Sunday because I'm working on a resume and I got to get it out. There's times, I'm telling you, there's times I'm about to bite my tongue out of my mouth. So I'm going to work on my resume on Sunday. I got to make something happen instead of getting myself to the house of the Lord. And saying, God, I'm going to work on that when I get some time. I'm going to make some time because that's important. But nothing is more important than aligning my life with your will, your way, your plan, your presence, your power. If we're not careful... We can actually feel like we're too busy or have so much to do that we end up skipping talking to our creator and our provider who can take care of any situation and rolling up our sleeves immediately when we get out of bed in the morning to start trying to do things in our day alone. I'd love to pray. I just, I got too much to do. Can we rethink that? And when you don't take a day off, you burn yourself out trying to do it all alone and you end up not entrusting anything to God. Our mistake often is that we say we trust God. But then we try to handle all of our situations alone without his help. When we trust that God is big enough to handle the situations in our life, taking time off becomes much easier. As I wrap up tonight, is it possible that some of us get used to working so long and so hard, not taking time for self, family, and to meditate on and honor God because we're really not acknowledging his ownership and his control in our own world that we live in? that we feel the need to take care of ourselves, take care of things ourselves, rather than stepping back once a week and going, uh, God, I'm gonna rest today. 
I know that you're my provider. I'm going to go invest in my marriage and my children. I'm going to disconnect from all of the cares of this world because at the end of the day, it's all going to burn. But one thing lives on forever, and that is my eternal soul and the people who I, I'm able to influence and make a difference in my first ministry is my family. So I have no problem. I schedule, it's literally family, family night is scheduled in my phone. I have no problem, even if somebody from our district office calls, and I love, and, and he would be the first to say, well, that I need to do this, but I love my district superintendent, Brother Parkey. There's times where I let his call go to voicemail. And he said, oh, I tried to call you. And the next day I'll say, yeah, man, I had an appointment. That ain't a lie. And I wouldn't even mind saying, yeah, it's my family day. He'd say, great, I love it. Because to me, that is an appointment. It's the most important appointment on my calendar every week. Is it really possible that our pace of life has become an idol? that is actually standing directly between God and ourselves, can this commandment almost be tied back to the idolatry commandment? And maybe all these commandments are actually intertwined because sin is a heart issue. And at the end of the day, the problem is, is I look to myself for answers at times rather than the God of this universe. And so really... At the end of each one of these, we've got to look at our heart. Am I saying you've got to take tomorrow off, take Saturday off? No, no. I'm just saying, remember who your provider is and know. Keep the main thing the main thing. Every day, I, can, I, I am never too busy to pray. Because if I am, like something has to change drastically. Because somewhere along the line, I thought that I had to keep my hand on the plow. And I started thinking I was my own provider. And that is just so off. He's our provider. And I need you and you need me. And he's called us to be a part of this body. When we worship, how we worship, where we worship, doesn't really matter. It just matters that we're gathering and we're worshiping. Would you stand to your feet? And I invite you right now to begin to find a place to pray and talk to him about your life, your heart, your calendar, your schedule, your priorities. I can't, I'm not going to stand here and try and tell you what your priorities are or where they are. That's between you and God. And so I invite you to just find a place and just talk to him. Lord, where are my priorities? What's number one in my life? Jesus, you're my rest. You're my Sabbath. But I want to take care of this temple that you've given me. I want to make sure that it's replenished and rested and that I'm following your will and your plan for me. Oh, God, talk to me tonight. Talk to all of us. Jesus, you're our provider and we never want to ever, ever get off track thinking that I can provide for myself if I just work a little bit harder. Sweet Jesus, we love you.